morning. How are you? How about this weather this morning? Man, that's perfect. Too bad deer season is over. This would be a perfect time to be sitting in the tree somewhere, wouldn't it, you deer hunters? How many deer hunters we got? We got a few, I know. Y'all just don't want to let everybody know y'all like killing stuff. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. We're continuing uh, our series in the, in the book of Philippians, and so you might want to go ahead and, and turn there if you have your Bible. You may have it uh, on your phone or, or some kind of tablet or pa- uh, pad or, or something that you bring or as Cliff says, maybe you've got the old-fashioned, got pages, you know, pages in it. Sometimes uh, I like some of the electronic stuff. Sometimes you can't just substitute having pages, can you, in some things. So maybe you've got it. Go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. We're going uh, to continue and finish up chapter 3. We're going to start in verse uh, 17 of chapter 3. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read those if you follow along. With us, if you don't have your Bible or don't have a way of pulling that up on your phone or whatever, it's going to be on the screen for you to follow along with. So if, if you would look at me, verses 17 through 21 in chapter 3 of Philippians. And it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now even... Uh, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to himself. Now, uh, I want to remind you as you think about Philippians, and I don't know if you ever think about this when you're reading the Bible. This is a letter that Paul has written to this area of Philippi, as we've, we've talked about. And here are these people who are uh, probably, someone has probably uh, gathered, he's written this letter, someone has probably gathered in some kind of public square or whatever and read this out loud for them to hear as this letter, this letter from Paul. And so, they're, they're hearing, hearing this. And here's the thing I think it's important to always remember. Just because this, this is a, a, a city in the Bible and it's Paul writing to people uh, who were believers, these are just everyday, normal, regular folks. It wasn't like because they were a church in Philippi that somehow they were, had this holy protection around them and everybody was perfect and it was... This, they were just regular folks, just like me and you, and they were people who were struggling at times to live the Christian life. And, and Paul was writing to them in, in the midst of a, a place in an area where the, the worldly or earthly values were drastically different from Christian values. I mean, does that ring a bell? Is that similar, similar to us, right? The, the worldly values around what people say is the thing to do and the way to behave and, and the stuff to have and all that kind of stuff differs quite a bit from when we read the scriptures of what the Christian values are. So in a lot of ways, I don't want you to, to miss the fact that it's not like they were some kind of super Christians and it was all easy for them. He was talking to them just like when, when we preach and you read and you hear things and you say, man, that's a struggle, that's not the way it is anymore. It really wasn't that way there either. They had their problems. 
and they had their struggles with the culture. So just be reminded as, as he's talking to them, he's just talking to everyday folks who were living the life and they needed encouragement like we do sometimes in, in, in the midst of a culture that was, everybody just wasn't living the Christian life. So they, they, uh, they experienced opposition in the culture in a, in a similar way uh, that we do, I believe. So Paul starts off in, this, in verse 17. And he starts with this important word in verse 17. And again, it says, uh, brothers, join in, read the next word with me, imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul says to them, he wants them to imitate him. And so basically Paul's saying, hey, watch me. Whatever I do, that's what I want you to do. You do what I do. Just my life's an open book. You imitate me. Whatever I'm doing, that's what I want you to do. Now, we have a, we have a saying here in, in our culture, and, and it's kind of funny, but it says, uh, you know, do, do, what I, do as I say, not as I do, right? <laughs> Parents, you ever use that on your children, right? You do as I say, not as I do. Paul wasn't saying that. He was saying, do as I do. I'm, I'm going to live a, a way, and you're going to watch me, and you're going to see things that I do, and you're going to see attitudes that I have and behaviors that I have. And he said, I want you to watch me. I want you to repeat that. I want you to be an Im- imitator uh, of me. Now, here's the thing that's important as well is that Paul, he's not asking them to imitate him because he thinks he's perfect. It's not an arrogant, hey, I've got life together. Everybody just needs to, to look at me and do as I do. That wasn't his motivation. And I know that for a number of reasons. But one is, if we just go back up in verse 13, as Cliff preached, uh, we read last week when Cliff was preaching, he, Paul said, not that I have it all, have attained it all already. He was saying, hey, I, I know I have not arrived. I'm not perfect. You can read in Romans 7 where Paul is going through that struggle where he says, hey, why is it, why is it that the things I want to do, those are the things that I don't do? And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. You ever been there? Yeah. So, so Paul's not writing from a perspective of thinking that he's better than somebody else or that he's got life together and everybody just needs to watch him because he's perfect. He knows better than that. But what he is doing is he's saying, hey, I want you to imitate me because Paul has had experience following Christ, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, he's had experience in following Christ, and he was striving to live the way that he knew God wanted him to live, and he was asking them to do the same. And part of that was, if you'll just watch me, I'll give you a picture of what that looks like in my life, but not in an arrogant kind of I'm better than you kind of way. Now, the other thing he says in that, in that verse 17, he says, brothers, join in, join in imitating me and... Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So Paul's saying, hey, I want you to watch me. But, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm not there with you all the time. Matter of fact, I'm in prison right now, and you can't very well see, you can't very, very well see me from where I'm writing this. So he says, not only think about me and how I lived when I was amongst you, but look at those who are around who also walk according to the same way, to the same principles and have the same character in their lives, if you'll look at them, you need to watch them as well and pay attention to what they do. Now, the language that he uses in that is the same language that Cliff talked about last week in verse 14 about keeping our eyes fixed on the goal. And, and Paul says to them, he says, 
Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Keep your eyes on them. This is, a, this is kind of the uh, athletic kind of, I'm focusing on the finish line. It's not, um, I'm going to look at where I need to go, and then I'll kind of wander around for a little bit and then try to refocus. Paul says, fix your eyes on them. In other words, you know, don't quit looking. Don't quit watching. Don't keep looking for things of behaviors and things that you need to imitate. The people are around you who are living that way, and so it's an intentional, you need uh, to fix your eyes on them. Now, I think, just like you and I, the Philippians needed something that they could see to, to grasp it. You know, or, or, uh, some of you are, are visual people, right? And you can talk concepts all the time, you can read stuff, but until you get a a visual of what that concept is or whatever it is that you're talking about, that's when it clicks and that's when it makes sense to you. I think the Philippians uh, were like us as humans. They didn't just need somebody to say, hey, here's what you need to do. They needed to be able to see somebody doing it so they would know what it looks like. They needed a model so they could so they could see. Of, yes, this is how we're supposed to live. So I think it's, it's similar for us. And, and in fact, I think you know most Christians really don't need a whole lot more of knowledge. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying that we shouldn't learn more. But, you know, our problem is not that we don't know enough. Our problem is mainly that we don't do what we already know, right? If we could just do what we know. So, I mean, if, if I were to, to get some of you together and we were to talk honestly and sit down and, you know, you probably, the one thing you'd probably never say is, you know, I'm really having just a real problem distinguishing between right and wrong. Could you tell, could you help me with more information about knowing what's good and what's evil? I mean, you know, we probably would not have that conversation, right? So the Philippians needed, they needed to hear it, but they also, they needed to see it being lived out. And so Paul says, you know, as he's writing to them, hey, watch me, watch those, watch those who are around you who live according to the same way. So that so that we can uh, you can live a life that's the way that, that God wants you to live. So he's saying, look, you have examples. There's me and there's other people around you, so that's what you can do. Now, I don't know about you, but those first few words about him saying imitate me and the context of what he's saying and the, the gist of, I think, of what he's saying, that is very uh, intimidating to me. Imitating is intimidating. Say that out loud. Can you say it without messing up? You know, you don't have to hold your tongue, or it's not a tongue twister, but it can be. Imitating is intimidating. Let me hear you say that. Now, it may not be for you, but I'm just going to tell you, that's intimidating for me. And it's intimidating in a lot of ways. And one of them, one of the reasons that I think it's intimidating is that it has this connotation that the way that Paul says that is that I have a responsibility that I should intentionally be looking for people to imitate. Not only to walk and imitate Christ, as we read the Scriptures and know His character and the way that He lived, but Paul says, Paul tells them, look at me, and there's that idea of, hey, you are supposed to be looking at me. You should intentionally be looking to others and seeing how the Christian life is lived out, and you should be intentionally looking at them so you can imitate them. That's intimidating to me, to know that, that that's a responsibility that, that, I, that, I, should, that I should have. Uh, it in, and it also insinuates 
that my life should be lived in such a way that I would invite people to imitate me. Now, that's just a whole nother level of intimidation, <laughs> right? I mean, it's intimidating enough for me to say, okay, I should be trying to find people and seeing how they live and, and imitate them who are living the way Christ lives. But it's more intimidating for me to think, are you kidding me? I should be living in such a way as I would say to you, hey, my life's an open book. You just, just watch me, you know. I don't have it all together, but just watch me. I mean, do I really want you in my life? Do you really want people to open the doors and the secrets and the things that you hide and the attitudes that you have? Do we really want people to do that? Man, that, that's intimidating. But Paul says to them, hey, watch me, intimidate, uh, intimidate me, imitate me. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. We are intimidated very much. We, we appreciate you being so perfect, right? But, but that's that, that idea. It's very intimidating uh, to do that. But here's the thing. And I think in Scripture, in, in a lot of ways, we, we'll say, gosh, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. People will say that about memorizing Scripture. Oh, gosh, that's so hard. You just don't know my brain. I just have a hard time memorizing things. But I guarantee you, I should, probably should ask Cliff to get up here and do this for us. I could have Cliff just start a few lines of, of a song, and, and we could be here all day. He knows millions of them, right? And you could probably, you know, tag in and sing the rest of it, right? That show, they had a show there where they would start singing the song and then the music would put out and the contestant would have to finish the line. You know, if we did, I guarantee you, you turn on the radio on the way home, you're singing along, if you turn off the radio, you could keep singing or you're singing every word. And we think we can't memorize stuff, but we really can. Most of us can do stuff. And when it comes to uh, imitating, that's very intimidating, and we think, no, hey, I can't do that. But we, we do that in a lot of areas of our lives. We, we already are good at imitating others, and we're good at inviting others to imitate us. We're, it's just in different areas of life, but we're good at it. And here are some examples. I mean, th- think, think of some things that we do this with. One of the things that comes to mind for me is in the media area, Right? Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. What do we say? You know, people who do Twitter, they have followers, right? Who are you following? Who's following you? you we, we had that language. How about, you know, Facebook? You see something and you like it, and, and so what is, naturally what do you want to do? You want to post that to your page and you're imitating what they did, and you're copying it and pasting it or whatever to your page, and you're sharing that with all of your friends. And your friends see that, and they see what you've done, and they naturally want to just go ahead and imitate what you've done and share that with other people. It's a very natural thing that we want to do. We're, we're really good at that. You know, and Pinterest, man, look at all those, all those things on Pinterest, and what do you do? You're looking at that, and you go, oh, my gosh. That's a great idea. Next week, you're at Lowe's, and you've got a couple of cans of paint and some wood, and you've rearranged your bathroom, right? Because you saw something that you thought was nice, and you wanted to imitate what they did, and guess what happens? Your friends come over to your house, and you want to go take them to the bathroom and show them what you've done, and then what happens to their house, you know? And they're, they're going to Lowe's, and they're getting some paint, and they're getting some wood, and the next thing you know, and then they're sharing that. And you're taking pictures, and you're sharing that on Facebook. Look what I did in my bathroom. Look what I did. And it just explodes. We're good at that. 
in a lot of ways. Uh, how about in the area of fashion, right? You know, I, I'm, I've never have been on the cutting edge of fashion trends, <laughs> as you can tell, right? I'm okay with that, you know. I'm a PC. <laughs> I'm not a Mac. I'm okay with that. I've learned that. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm not on the cutting edge of fashion trends. But look around. Uh, you know, and a lot of times it's, it seems to be more with, with women, although I told Cliff as I was preparing the message, and I don't know if Blake Comer, if you're listening to this podcast at some point. You know, if Blake was here, we could include Blake in that because uh, we always used to give him a hard time about the way he dressed because he's always wanting to, you know, be the, uh, on the cutting edge of fashion. But a lot of times it's with women, and you'll see something that looks good, and before you know it, you go in the store and you're doing that, and you're dressed like they were dressed, and there's, there's trends that happen, and, and they just kind of float around before you know it. Everybody seems to be doing the thing, same thing, and, and I, I don't mean any harm by this because I think it looks, it looks good, and don't, don't be mad at me, but if you don't think it's true, just look around and stretch your pants and boots. Right? I mean, that's a, that, you know, maybe it's been around before, but lately, man, it's just exploding, right? And everybody, everybody wants to wear those if they can or whatever. So, um, and that's fine. But we, see, we do that. Guys, you know, maybe it's a haircut, it's a fishing rod. It's a different, it's the kind of gun or tree stand or it's golf clubs that, you know, just a thing to have. Everybody's got to have this. You know, maybe it's a game or something that you like to play. We're good at that in the area of fashion especially. We're, we're good at it in a lot of ways. So think, think about the other things. Uh, you're going to help me out here now, okay? Think about um, sayings that we have. If you don't think that we're not good at imitating people, Think about sayings that just catch on like that, and before you know it, you thought it was stupid when you first heard it, but now you're saying it, or you said it. Say something out loud to me that's a saying that is very popular. Really? Yeah, what? I can't hear you. Swag. Where does that word even come from? That sounds so crazy, but we've got your swag on, right? You had to kind of dip a little bit when you say that. What? Tell me something else. Bay. Cliff told me about this one. Bay. That's my bay. Oh, I know you use it, especially if you're under the age of 25. Probably for sure. That's your. That's your thing. How about get her done, you rednecks? Come on. You know you've said it. If you're not a redneck, you said it even if it was in your closet and quietly. You just want to say that out loud. It just get her done, right? <laughs> those are those are things that that we that we just imitate naturally, and we pick up on it. And whether we think they're cool or I don't know, but we're good at doing that. You know, one that I've said, and when I've heard it, I thought that is so stupid, but I've said it, and it's I'm just saying. Well, of course you are. Or you wouldn't have been talking. What do you mean? I'm just saying. Duh. But I said that because it sounds kind of, well, I'm just saying, right? So think about the way that we imitate others. And then by us doing it, we're inviting people to imitate us. We're inviting people to do the same things that we do. In the business world, this happens all the time. You see a business model or you see some things going on in the business area that might be similar to yours or whatever, and that business appears to be successful, and you look at that and you say, man, we, you know, we need to incorporate some of that into our business. Churches do that. 
Churches looking around at different things going on, they say, you know, maybe we need to tweak this or maybe we need to do something they're doing. I'm not saying that it's good or the right thing to do, but it happens in the church world as well. So we're, we're, very, we're very good at that. We're, we're very natural, I think, at imitating others and inviting others to imitate us in those areas. It's a very natural thing. What about how many of you ever had it kind of it's faded out for a while now, but did you ever wear the WWJD bracelet? Right? What would Jesus do? Which I thought was stupid because that still left you with a question and no action. What would he do? Well, you can tell me what he did, but what'd he do? I think it should have been do what Jesus does. You know, well, we should change that bracelet bracelet. D W J D. How about that? Right? Do what Jesus did. So uh, some of those things are just, and we get we jump on the bandwagon with things, and they're not all bad, and they're not all evil, but we're very natural, I think, at doing that. So Paul says, imitate me, and look at those others who are walking the way that we walk and imitate them. And he's talking about it in a spiritual sense, and for some reason, I think, we can switch that, uh, flip that switch, and we become intimidated when we say, I don't want people to imitate me spiritually. I don't want to be trying to look at people and, and do what they do. That's, that's intimidating. I'll never live up to that. We have this idea of, I'll never be perfect. I can't do that. I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. What happens if I get started and, and it appears that I'm really living for God, and then all of a sudden something happens, and I mess up, and then everybody's going to think I'm a hypocrite? Well, just... Pat yourself on the back and go ahead and give yourself permission and just tell yourself. Matter of fact, look at the person beside you and say, you're already a hypocrite. Go ahead and tell them. You've got nothing to lose, right? We're all hypocrites in some shape, form, or fashion. But it seems like we get intimidated. We don't, we're afraid we're going to mess up. We're not going to do that. We're afraid to step out and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm living for Jesus because you know that one day the other shoe's going to drop and you're going to do something that's wrong. So you just, we just decide... We just kind of, we're not going to do that. So we're natural at it in a lot of areas, but when it comes to the spiritual area of things, I think it is very intimidating for us. But what I want you to hear and what I want us to think about is this, that imitating does not have to be intimidating. <coughs> Excuse me. Imitating does not have to be intimidating. And there's two reasons at least that, that I see in this scripture is the reason for that. And one is a negative reason and one is a positive reinforcement as to why it doesn't have to be that way. The first one is a negative one that he uses in verse 18 and 19. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. Paul's tore up about this. He's sad about this. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Verse 19, their end is, what's that word? Destruction. That is a negative motivation for saying you don't need to live that way because here is the result of that. If we don't live in a way that we want to imitate Christ and and let others do that, we're walking, Paul says, you're walking actually as an enemy of the cross of Christ that we're against the whole purpose of why he came and what he wanted to accomplish and what he did for us. So there's a, there's a negative, you know, pressure, a, a kind of a motivation to say, hey, I shouldn't, I shouldn't want 
to live as the world lives because that's destruction. There's no good in that. But here's the best one is the next verse, and it's a positive thing, and I love this one. And it's verse 20 and 21. He says, but, like, not what I just said about these other people, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul reminds them, hey, here's the negative thing. If you live this way, it's trouble. It's destruction. It's no good. But the positive thing is, hey, wake up. We're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of earthly things. Our, our place belongs in heaven. And so it was a reminder of who we really are as believers in Christ, that we belong to him. That our citizenship is not of this world. We belong to him and our citizenship is in heaven. So as believers, we're all aliens here, right? I mean, we have this, we have this negative connotation. We don't like aliens. As a matter of fact, I won't say any names, Paul, but he just accused me of being an alien this morning right in front of his wife. And it hurt my feelings, and I've got a complex about it now because I was wearing this wire. But he was joking around or whatever, not knowing that I was, maybe he didn't know I was going to talk about this. But we don't like that idea of alien. You know, we have movies about aliens, and other than E.T., they usually are not very nice, right? But, but basically what Paul is saying to us is that, hey, you don't belong here as a believer. This isn't your home. This isn't where your citizenship belongs. You're an alien. You're just visiting. You're just, you're just here for a while. But really, it's like almost, you're kind of on a vacation, but you're, when, when things are said and done, you're going back to where you really belong, and that's as a citizen of heaven. You're going back to, to be with God. So we're just visiting here. Now, it's hard for our human brains to understand because this is where we are. But Paul says, you're an alien here, basically. You're just visiting. And so how crazy would it be if we know we're just visiting here for us to base our lives on the pattern of being a citizen like as if we really belonged here. How crazy would that be? He said, that's not you. You're a citizen of heaven. So, so here's, here's the thing that I thought about. Anybody go on vacation? Anybody wish they could go on vacation? <laughs> we go on vacation uh, every year. We go, oh, we go to Kentucky a lot to visit uh, our, our family there. Uh, but uh, as far as another vacation, we usually go to Florida every year. We go to Panama City every year. It's a great place, great place to visit, all right? I know when I go there, I know I'm going on vacation. I know I'm leaving here, and I'm going there, and usually I know I'll be there for a week. And we'll have fun, and we'll lay out in the sun, and we'll play on the beach, and we'll eat more seafood than a person should be allowed to eat, Right? And say that we'll never do it again until the next night when we go back and repeat the process, right? We have, a, we have a great time with family and all that stuff. I know the whole time, before I leave, while I'm down there, I know in my mind, I know now if we go this year, I know that I'm going as a visitor on a vacation for probably about a week. And then I know I'm coming back, right? Now, how crazy would it be in that scenario if this summer when we went to Florida... I decided, knowing that I'm going to be there for a week and return, 
that when I was there, I'm going to buy a house. How crazy would it be knowing that I'm going to be there for a week that I would change my driver's license and get a Florida driver's license? How crazy would that be? That knowing that I'm going to be there for a week, week that we're going to enroll our kids in the school system in, in Florida while we're down there in Panama City. We're going to find a school and enroll the kids. I'm going to change my mailing address to have a Florida physical, not an email, a physical mailing address. I'm going to change my voter's registration because I want to see what it's like to experience the hanging chad. Right? How crazy would that be if, if I did that, if this summer... If I did that, knowing I'm going there for a week, you knew I was only going to visit. If you heard that I did any of that stuff, what would you think of me? You can say it. Shelly, my wife's the first one to respond. <laughs> You're crazy. You would think I was an idiot. You would think that I had lost it. I have lost my mind. Why would you do something so stupid when you know you're just going to be there for a week and then you're going to return to where your citizenship really is in South Carolina? Paul says, our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. So imitate me. Live like you belong as a citizen of heaven. Live in such a way that you don't accumulate stuff in such a manner and your behaviors and our actions is that when people look at us, we look like we're not just visiting here, we've camped out. We're just going to be here for a while, but we've already decided that we're changing our address. No longer a citizen of heaven, I'm going to move it to being a citizen here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all the things that I would do that otherwise you would say that I was stupid, but we do it here on earth and we think it's normal because we imitate things that are not always the way that God wants us to. How crazy would that be for me to do that? Knowing that I'm an alien here and it's temporary. Now listen, I hope I'm here longer than a week. I mean, I have been here a lot longer than a week, but I hope I'm here longer than a week from now. But who knows, right? And whenever this life ends then I'm going to where I really belong as a citizen of heaven. How crazy would it be for me to set up camp acting like this is really where I belong? So that's kind of what he's telling them, and I think what he's telling me. You know, there's a country song uh, out. It's been out for a while. I forget the name of it, but the line, one of the lines in it is, you know, don't blink. A hundred years is shorter than you think. James says our lives are a mist. And for us as humans, 50 years, 90 years, 80 years, 70 years, 60 years, that all seems like a long time here on earth. But it's just a mist. You blink your eye and it's gone. And Paul, I think, is saying, hey, this is not really where you belong. Now, it doesn't mean you check out and you don't engage and you don't have an influence. That's why we're here. Right? In, in some of the biblical stuff that I read and some of the research that I did, the idea of citizenship was... You know, if, if you went somewhere else as a visiting uh, person or as an alien to a different country or whatever, usually you were going in order that you could convert the people to whatever you believed in, knowing that you were going to return it sometime. It wasn't like you were set up, setting up shop to stay. So we're here, 
where God wants us. And he wants us to have an impact on people for him. He wants us to live in such a way as that we make a difference for him. He wants us to enjoy those things that he's allowed us to have and the things that he's allowed us to do, but not lose sight of this is temporary. Because it is. So, so we're just visiting, just having a little vacation for a while. So here, here's the thing I want you to think about. What does it look like for me and you to live as if we're citizens of heaven? You know, what if that's kind of hard. To, what does that look like? How do, how do I know if I'm doing it? What, what kind of things? And, and Paul, Paul says, imitate me. Now, I'll tell you, he didn't say these things specifically. And next week, as we continue, there are some things, actions, there are some behaviors that we'll talk about, and things you should do, and if you know things to think about. And Those are some good stuff. You can read ahead if you haven't and kind of look at that. But more than specific actions, I think if we look at Paul's life and his character, we see things in him like being self-denying and self-giving and a willingness to suffer for the sake of Christ and imitating Jesus and living as if he was truly dependent upon God. Those are some of the character issues that we see in his life. Now, those are not popular here because, remember, Christian... Christian uh, character and values are opposite of, they're not in, in cahoots with what the world says we should live. That, it's not real popular if you tell people, hey, you know, I'm striving, my New Year's resolution is to be more self-denying. You know, people who don't understand that, if you're really serious, people they think you're an idiot. Because that's not what we say, get all you can get. The more you have, the better, right? Um, my, my, my goal this year is to be more self-giving. I'm really looking for opportunities this year to suffer for the sake of Christ. You know, those are, I don't know, those are not things that we put on the New Year's resolution. But Paul says, I think, when he says imitate me, I think he's talking about let, look at the character of my life. Look at the way I've lived my life and, and imitate that. You know, at Freedom, we talk, uh, you know, our, our mission, uh, experience the true freedom that only comes through Christ. And we have a strategy if you've been through our uh, volunteer orientation or even in our partnership class, you know, some, some of the things that we say, there's three things that we say, say there, and the idea is that we're growing toward Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. Those are three things that we think are important. Those are, those are not specific actions as they are an, an, an attitude of the way that, that I want to live. I want to grow toward Christ. I want to develop real relationships because, you know, I don't care how many friends you think you have on Facebook. No, you don't really have all that many friends, right? Real relationships. And then love people. Those, those, are, those are three general areas that we can apply uh, to our lives as we think about that. So I think it's, it's not about activity, but the core of Paul's character in the activity. It's not about what he did. It's not about the activity, but the core of his character. So when he says, imitate me, he's not saying, I don't think he's saying, you have to do exactly what I do. Everybody has to become a preacher. Everybody has to travel around the world and start new churches. Everybody has to get put in prison because of, of their preaching. Everybody needs to get beaten to the, almost, to the edge of almost death. Paul's not saying, I don't think he's saying, 
you have to repeat every activity that I do. He's saying, watch me and follow me. Imitate me in my character, in the way that I live. And see, now that might look different for you and me. Because God places us in different places. He puts us in different areas. He gifts us with different, different gifts and skill sets. And he uses us in different ways. But there's a consistent character of Christ that he wants us to live through. And, the, and those things that he wants us to be a part of. So it's not about that activity. It's about the character when he says imitate me and those around us, those who are also following. Look at them. So imitating doesn't have to be intimidating. It should be motivating. It should be motivating. Not, I'm scared to death, I can't do this, I'll never measure up to this. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It should be motivating that we live a life for Christ as believers and as we do that, we recognize that really, as believers, is at the core of who we really are. That's at the very core of who we are in Christ. Living as a citizen of heaven is not alien to us. That's who we are. Adapting to the things of this world is alien to us because this is not our home. It's temporary, and we're just visiting. So... So here's what I want you to do. The band's going to come up and get ready to play here in just a moment. And as they come up, here's what I want you to think about. Um, If you don't mind, just uh, not because it's more holy, but because maybe it'll help you with distractions. Just just close your eyes so you can kind of tune out. Maybe there's somebody's head that you've been staring at the whole time. You're tired of looking at that, so uh, it's distracting. But just close your eyes. Kind of tune out some distractions. Here's here's some things that I want you to think about. If you took a look at your life, would you say that your life reflects a life where you're living as if you're a citizen of heaven? I'm not asking if you're perfect. I'm asking, can you say, I'm striving to do that. There are areas that I'm doing that in. Can you say that you're living like a citizen of heaven or, or, or would you look at your life and say really by far the majority, um, I know I'm just visiting here, but if you look at my life, it, it looks like that I've set up camp. You can dig and you can turn over stones and everything and, and look at my life and to be honest with you, I don't know if you'd find enough stuff to really say that it looks like I'm living as a citizen of heaven. Not that I'm perfect, but I'm trying to live as a citizen of heaven. Don't base your answer on activity. Don't, don't start thinking about how many times you come to church or how much you read your Bible or, you know, how many good deeds you do. I'm not talking about that. Those things naturally come if the others are in place. But I'm asking you about the way you live and your character and your general state of being. And are you living a life that says, yeah, I, I'm, I really want to live the way God wants me to. Yes, it's a struggle at times. Yes, I mess up a lot. But yeah, my desire, my true desire is to live the way God wants me to. Is that my desire? And so then the other question I just ask you is, you know, what needs to change? God doesn't hate you. He's not mad at you. But he does want you to change. He wants you to turn to him. If there are things in your life that don't need to be there, you know that. Probably just make a commitment. Hey, God, with your help, I want to give that to you. That, that's probably not evidence that I'm living as a citizen of heaven. That's probably more evidence that I'm living like earthly 
things, which is not good, leads to destruction. Just between you and God as you think about that, you don't have to make a big long list. Just think of something. Maybe there's one thing today that stands out and you say, you know what, if I could start with that, that would be awesome. And for God to help me change that character, that attitude, whatever it might be with you. I'm just going to give you a second. Just, just between you and God right now, however you want to say it, whatever words you want to use, just say, God, you know, help me with that. Maybe you don't believe it all and you come here. Maybe somebody's invited you and you come just so they quit inviting you or you're still curious and you're trying to get answers and you're confused about stuff. God's okay with that, but he wants you to turn to him. And maybe today it's where you have to admit, I don't have all the facts. I don't know that I've ever got it all figured together, but today is the day where I say, God, I'm just giving in to you. I want to give my life to you. And you'll fill in the blanks and I don't have to be perfect and I don't have to have it all figured out. But today I want to start by saying, I just want to give you my life. I want, to, I want to understand and know what Jesus has done for me so that I can have life. If you need help with that, we want to pray with you or talk to you. you want, we, we'd love to do that. So don't leave without talking to me or Cliff or somebody from the band or somebody you know here about that. Now you can look this way, and here's, here's the thing as we leave. Here's the thing I kind of want you to hold on to and think about. You know, what if imitating Jesus and imitating those who imitate him spread across this world and through this country as quickly as a viral YouTube video. What if we were so passionate and eager and intentional about saying, I want to find somebody who's following him, and then I want to ask somebody to follow me, and as easy as we would click share, or post that on our Facebook page that we would say, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want you to be. Let's follow him together. Paul says, join us in imitating. What if all of us did that in such a way that it spread as fast as a viral YouTube video? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't this world be different? Here's what it takes. It can happen, but here's what it takes. In order for that to happen, it takes one who's willing to follow and imitate, and it takes one who's willing to be followed and to be imitated. That's all it takes. So what about us? Who are you imitating? Who would you ask to imitate you? That's the kind of living that literally has the potential to change this world. Pray with me. God, we don't do it on our own strength. We can't do it on our own strength. That's obvious. If we could, you would have never needed to have sent Jesus. We're not capable on our own of living this way. There's nothing in us humanly that is able to do that. But just as... Your word reminds us, we've, we've talked about here in this series in Philippians 2.13, it's God who works in us to will and to act according to his purpose. God, it's, it's you who gives us the desire. The strength comes from you. The ability comes from you. The desire to even want to do it comes from you. So that's what we ask for, that we might have a real perspective of what it means to be visiting here and being a citizen of heaven and that we might be intentional about saying we're not perfect, 
but we're going to live in such a way as we're looking for people to follow, and we want to invite people to follow us, to imitate us. So that's what we're asking, Lord, and we pray that you help us with it in Jesus' name. Amen.